Welcome to the Take the Cake podcast. I am your host, Kate Noel, and I am so happy you're here. My mission is to inspire you to be the best version of yourself by truly honoring what your mind, body, and soul want and need. Here, we talk about everything and anything, wellness, recovery, lifestyle stuff, lots more. Thank you so much for being here, and I hope you enjoy the show. Hi, Emily. Hi. <laughs> Thank you so much for being on this podcast. I am very inspired by you and your journey and your photography. It's beautiful. So yeah, let's just start by you telling me about your journey, um, maybe how and when your eating disorder developed and then how it led you to the spot you're in now. Well, first of all, hi. <laughs> Thank you for having me. Um, so to answer that question, I would have to go back many a year. Um, I have been technically in recovery for seven years now. So I was first diagnosed with an eating disorder um, in 2014 uh, when I was in high school. And I'm currently a senior in undergrad. Um, and so, yeah, it's been a long and winding journey. Um, but I originally um, just struggled with anorexia. Um, so I struggled for about two years with that. I went to um, inpatient treatment um, and was really, really resistant to recovery. I was a minor at the time and forced into treatment um, by my family, by my parents. Um, and you know what they say about recovery, you have to want it for yourself. And I only, I would say very recently started wanting recovery for me, not for anybody else. Um, so for, um, again, two years, I was struggling solely with restriction. Um, and then after an, uh, residential treatment stay, I was in high school. So I was entering my junior year of high school. I developed, um, binge eating behaviors, um, and then fell into the binge restrict cycle that I struggled with for over four years. Um, it's only within the past year that I've like broken out of that cycle and can say like with confidence that I haven't um, used those behaviors in such an extreme way in a really long time, which is a really amazing thing to say uh, because for a long time, I didn't think that I would ever be able to break that cycle. And um, because my eating disorder started with anorexia, I had a lot of shame about my binge eating um, that led me to not ask for help, not tell anybody about what I was experiencing for a really long time. And so, um, maybe I should have said this in the beginning, but, um, I currently run, uh, an Instagram where I speak really as openly as I possibly can about my recovery. And it has been such an integral part of my healing, uh, just being honest about the behaviors that I've struggled with in the past, the behaviors that I struggle with currently, um, because talking about my eating disorder is what gave me like the permission, I think, to get better and to start recovery. So in a succinct way, that is my story. And that's what's led me here. <laughs> Amazing. That was really good. That was nice and succinct. I, I feel like recovery, eating disorders are all, it's such a long story. Like there's so many uh, ebbs and flows, but um, we actually have a really similar story, honestly. Like so many points that you mentioned, I'm like, yes, yes, yes. Like the wanting the recovery for yourself, like that I 
I think there was always a part of me that wanted recovery. Like I didn't want my eating disorder, but yeah, it's definitely like a choice that you have to make for yourself. And for me, that was a really slow grow. Like I did make the choice to recover, but it's still, even after I made that choice, I had to like continue making that choice every single day. Um, and I also resonate with sharing online and how much that has healed me. Mm -hmm. Um, and yeah, I, I really resonate with that. So you said you started your Instagram about a year ago, right? Yes, I started. So, um, I started eat with care as a food blog a couple of years ago when I was really, really struggling in my eating disorder and I wanted to be a wellness blogger. So I posted photos of food. Um, that's when wellness blogging was like, I mean, it's a huge thing now, but it was like up and coming. People were getting paid for like blogging about avocado toast. And I was like, oh my gosh, they're, you know, I just, I want to live in California. Like I want to, you know, uh, do that whole thing. But it was just a mask for like my eating disorder pretty much. And so, yes, it was only last year that I started blogging consistently and honestly about my recovery. Mm -hmm. And this might not be the case for you, but it was for me, like, when I was restricting and binging and purging, when I had a, those eating disorder behaviors, like the sort of wellness, I'm using air quotes for people who are listening, yeah. like uh, it was more like an obsession with food. And it was like a way for me to like look at food and, and, and watch other people eat food and just like very food oriented. It was like, okay, I'm not going to let myself eat these foods or whatever, but I, I want to be a part of food. I still like need food in my life. So you almost like, it's almost like yeah. a coping. At least it was for me. Definitely. I, I couldn't agree more. It's like so sad and shameful to admit this, but like most of the food that I was posting, I wasn't eating. Like mm-hmm. I would just, you know, take these and I really enjoy food photography. So it wasn't like I was, you know, forcing myself to do, um, I was finding some joy in that, but um, yeah, I just, posting about food and pretending that I was so into this lifestyle and this quote unquote wellness, it was a way for me to like, it just reinforced the shame that I had around what I was doing behind closed doors, which was binging on foods that are demonized by the wellness like space um, and by diet culture. So while I was, again, like binging in isolation, I was posting photos of my salads and smoothie bowls within the same day um, and getting praised for that, getting praised for my healthy eating. And I went plant-based for a little bit. And yeah, it was just a really messy, horrible feeling to be, again, praised for this way of eating that I wasn't actually following in real life. Mm. Yeah, no shame. I mean, yeah. I... I, I, I <laughs> I get that. You know, I totally understand how that feels. And that's just a good, important reminder for those listening who are in that comparison, you know, game where they're really thinking like, okay, this person's eating this way and this person's eating this way. You never, ever, ever know what's going on behind closed doors. And I know I can't speak for those people, but I think you and I can both agree that like, though, especially like the Fitzbo and the wellness influencers, like they might not be actually eating everything that they're saying they're eating, or they might be working out a lot more than they say they are. And so it's just really important to uh, not, you know, compare yourself. And I actually, I haven't really mentioned this anywhere publicly, 
but I am going to be taking a break from posting what I eat in a days on Instagram and on YouTube because um, I know, yeah, I don't think that they're harmful for, you know, everyone. I don't, I think it's really cool to get like recipe inspiration, but I, I think that my audience personally are in that stage of recovery or they're, you know, just interested in recovery, at least in some way, that's why they're following me. So I'm like, maybe I should take a break from those for a little and see how it goes, even though they're the most popular videos. I know people love them and I'm not not saying influencers who, you know, I follow so many influencers who do uh, what I eat in a days and I love it. You know, I think it's super inspiring, but I'm kind of feeling a little convicted lately. Like, I don't know, maybe I, maybe I'll go back to it, but who knows? Well, I like what you say about like knowing that while those sorts of posts and that sort of content might benefit one, you know, group of people or people who have a super strong relationship with food and are just looking for recipe inspiration, like innocently, um, that's not like our audience, you know, um, or your audience or mine. And, um, yeah, like the fact that you recognize that and I recognize that too, like I'm really grateful because I'm like the last thing I want to do is negatively impact somebody who's like consuming what I'm putting out there, you know? Um, but yeah, it's a tricky, tricky space to navigate the wellness, <laughs> the wellness sphere on um, Instagram and just social media in general. But uh, I, I love everything that you stand for. That's literally like why I reached out to you. I feel just, I can feel the balance from your page. Like it feels wellness oriented, but honestly wellness oriented, which is like my motto. So that's why I was like, this, this needs to happen. Thank so you. tell me, yeah. So tell me about how it is, you know, for you being on social media, like tell me about the challenges, the the pros and the cons and just your journey with that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, that's a really good question. Um, I am the type of person, like if you were to were to have told me that I would be using social media as such like an integral part of my life and my recovery now, I wouldn't have believed you in the past. Like I'm the type of person that rarely posts on like my personal Instagram. I'm thinking of deleting it. Like I don't have Snapchat. I don't like mm-hmm. I Snapchat. What's that? <laughs> I know. Like anti-social media. Like I don't have TikTok or anything like that. Um, TikTok anymore. I had to withdraw myself from TikTok because really I'm addicting. I know, and I was like, hours gone. Like that. I know. I know. Yeah. So we we don't go there anymore. But um, (laughs) anyway, um, yeah. So when I first again a year ago is when I shared my first photo of like my unposed body in a way that. like I had never done before. And it was so terrifying. Um, uh, so scary when I first started sharing my recovery in an honest way, especially like what my body looked like, what my natural body looked like. I had a lot of shame around that. Um, you know, both in real life and on social media, I could have never imagined posting and sharing photos of, again, what my body really looks like. Um, but once I started doing that more consistently, again, I noticed a direct reflection in how my recovery was starting to strengthen. And I always say like, uh, social media is sort of exposure therapy for me in my recovery, like to share a photo of my unposed body and realize that like the world isn't ending and I'm not dying. I'm like, okay, wow. Like this isn't that, uh, big of a deal because eating disorders, as we know, tend to like blow up and exacerbate our body image um, and make that our world. And by like consistently sharing what my body looks like on social media, it's just such 
a less powerful part of my life now, I guess. Like I just don't care about or think about my body nearly as much as I did even a year ago. So Mm -hmm. I'd say that that's like the biggest pro of it is the like exposure to what my body looks like. Um, The con, uh, or there are plenty of uh, like, I guess, um, moments where I'm like, ooh, like this is negatively impacting me and my recovery. Um, Just because um, on Instagram, anybody can share about their recovery and anybody can share any information that they want. So there's lots of false information out there that I definitely have to like check in with myself and make sure that I'm only like consuming <laughs> um, information that benefits me in my recovery. But I think also even like the positive space that is recovery social media can be a source of comparison. Um, I've definitely noticed that like, oh my gosh, well, they achieved full recovery in this amount of time. Is it normal that I'm still struggling with this? Their body looks like this in full recovery. Should mine look like that too? And like, so I think, you know, no matter what, even if the space that you're in on social media is positive, you have to check in with yourself when it comes to comparisons. And that's at least what I've noticed in myself. Mm, I love that you said that. Yeah, I I really applaud you for the the real and raw body posts. And so you said it at first it was sort of like exposure therapy, and it was difficult for you. Mm-hmm. Do you is it still difficult for you? Is it at least a little bit empowering? Like, how is it for you now that you've been posting like the, those types of photos? It's actually insane. Like I when again, I can remember like when I posted that first photo, it's such a salient memory for me because my emotions were so heightened, like heart racing, stomach clenching. Like it was so terrifying and anxiety inducing to show the public those photos of my body. Now I literally do it without batting an eye. Like I don't have that visceral reaction anymore, which is insane. Like, and that's what I mean by like exposing myself. It's like, it's proven exposure therapy is like one of the best ways to minimize a phobia or a fear. And I had fear of and shame about my body. So um, even if I didn't realize it at the time, like exposing myself to the fear of other people's judgments minimized my fear of the judgment over time. Mm -hmm. Uh, And now I literally like I don't have that physical reaction anymore, don't have that anxiety. There are parts of my body that I'm learning to like share more of, um, parts of my body that I'm still insecure about. But yeah, it's it's crazy like to just think about um, how much it's helped me and my body acceptance journey and recovery. Mm-hmm. I relate to you because of the fear foods. That's like my thing, like my exposure therapy. And people ask me all the time, like, how did you do this? How did you do this? And it's kind of like, I just did it. You know, Uh like the first time is always the hardest in any part of my recovery. It was at least like, yes, like not sucking in and trying to pretend like I have abs for all my pictures. And also, you know, wearing the bikini, the low rise bikini to the beach or recently to my digitals. Like, Yes. Like the first time you have the fear of foods, the first time you do that, it's so hard. It's so tricky, but then, um, it really does get like exponentially easier. Like the second time you're like, this is still really hard. I I mean, this is still super hard and maybe the third time or the fourth time, but you just feel it it just gets lighter and lighter. So that's a really, really good tip. Like just exposure therapy, just doing it once, seeing how it goes and yeah. Yeah. And doing it consistently, like you said, like, and I think, For me, 
it's like I just got so fed up with not liking my body or with fearing judgment or fearing certain foods. I'm like, I don't want to feel shame about my body anymore. I don't want to feel fear judgment about my body. I don't want to feel guilty after eating. And the only way to overcome that is by exposing yourself to the guilt until it minimizes and until you're not guilty or shameful anymore. Um, It really is like, you know, those are simple terms. Obviously, it's more nuanced. And I mean, I've been in recovery for seven years. I'm not here saying that it's a quick fix, people, you know? Like it's, mm-hmm. um, but yeah, it's um, it's funny when people ask like, oh, like, how do you recover all this stuff? It's like, you just got to kind of jump in. You know? I know. Jump in. <laughs> just jump right in. I totally yeah. agree. So I didn't ask you this before, but is there a reason, you know, do you, do you know sort of the motivation behind why you chose to recover? Like what happened, that shift between your parents wanting you to recover and you feeling like you were dragged versus now? Hmm. Um, that's a good question. Um, I have actually done some reflection recently about this. Um, I realized I kind of never recovered from anorexia specifically. It just kind of morphed into the binge restrict cycle. I've only ever been diagnosed with anorexia, but, um, you know, so I'm not going to say that I have another eating disorder, but the binge restrict cycle is what I struggled with the most. Um, But anyway, so I think what motivated me or made like encouraged me to recover on my own was just a decision that I made out of exhaustion like I was just so tired of the life that my eating disorder created for me um and it took me a really long time to recognize okay this isn't working anymore and it's never going to work for me and I'm almost grateful that I struggled for as long as I did because I have so much evidence to like back up the claim that eating disorders like only want the worst for us and weight loss does not equal happiness or confidence. Um, And so I think over the summer, I just got really exhausted, really tired, um, really tired of um, listening to eat eating disorder still and having it lead me nowhere. Um, so out of exhaustion, I chose to recover, but, (laughs) um, yeah. Yeah, me too. A lot of people (laughs) asked me that. And for a while I was like, I don't really know. Like, I don't actually don't really know the reason it just kind of happened. But then I agree. I started sort of thinking about it more and more. Um, and I came to this conclusion, you know, over a year ago, but I was like, I was really tired like super, super tired from just physically, mentally, it it all just, I felt so burnt out. Like I was like, what am I doing? And it is interesting when you, you know, I struggled for with my eating sort of for, I think around 10 years, you know, it's a little bit, who knows when it really started, you know? Um, And so when I kind of started journaling about it and like wrote that number down, 10 years of trying to manipulate my body every single day, all the time, these thoughts in my head, just, it it totally just kind of when you, when you think about the number 10 years or seven years or even one year or even one month, it doesn't matter. It's like, that's so much of my time and energy. And you just realize where is my life? Like it's not working. Manipulating Mm -hmm. my body and my food choices is literally leading me nowhere. Just like you mentioned, it's, it's a really good point. Yeah. 
I, I, it's like how sad, right? To like look back at all the time that I gave to this illness who like promised me happiness if I lost this amount of weight and then I would get there and it would still want more from me and then I would binge and gain it all back and then some and then feel the shame and um, yeah, just the eating disorder is such a master manipulative bully and I think over the summer again about a year ago I fully accepted that like I could not live my life how it was intended to be lived if I still struggled with this illness in any any way um but yeah I'm right there with you (laughs) (laughs) I love so tell me about also like your you know you'd made that choice in recovery and for me I I have like freed up brain real estate you know so tell me about some things that like are really positive things in your life that have happened uh, since you started your recovery and opened up that space in your mind? Oh my gosh, what a lovely question. (laughs) That's really, yeah, like the greatest gift of recovery. Um, I'd say my relationships with the people that I care about, especially my family, um, the fact that all of them have been strengthened and it's all thanks to my recovery um, is like the greatest development that's happened um, in my recovery again. Um, Yeah, just like being able to show up fully and care fully for the people that I love in my life. You can't do that when you're struggling with an eating disorder. You just like don't have the energy. You don't care. Um, You're irritable all the time. um, And you really only care about protecting the illness. So, um, and that came personally for me at the cost of my relationship uh, with pretty much all of my family members. Um, and so that's definitely the greatest gift of recovery, especially in the past year with the pandemic, like being home with my family and, um, just strengthening our relationships every day. It's been such a gift. Um, I think also like as a student, like I mentioned, I'm, or maybe I, I don't know if I mentioned this, but I'm in college. Um, and I'm studying psychology and um, having the brain space to study and read and participate in class and work towards this degree. Um, again, I wouldn't be here if it wasn't for recovery. So that's like a huge positive thing in my life. Um, something as simple as like sitting through a lecture and actually absorbing the words that pr- the professor is saying, it's like all thanks to recovery. Um, And yeah, another passion of mine is photography. I think that um, recovery like gives me the energy to be creative. Um, You know, when you're using behaviors, you don't have energy for anything, let alone to like think about art and creative stuff. (laughs) And so, um, yeah, I'd say that those are my top three gifts. (laughs) Yeah, I know there's probably so many more because I am with you. (laughs) The relationship one is, is, is so I um. You know, I definitely, personally, I, I can't speak for, for anyone else, but I really didn't like myself, you know, when I had my eating disorder. I was, I let my eating disorder voice be such a loud voice in my mind that it totally reflected into my relationships. And I, I lied to people. I like just white lies and, you know, just little things here and there. And I, I obviously, you know, wasn't honest with myself. So I was honest with other people and I was irritated, like you said, and kind of mean, like just kind of had like a, a very negative view of life in general. And uh, like people are generally bad and the world is bad. And, and now I have just a complete 180 and I'm just, you know, I'm not saying I'm this ball of positivity (laughs) and sunshine or anything like that. I definitely still have, you know, bad days and stuff, but like, 
it's so different, you know? And so I love that you mentioned that. My next question is about your mental health because you talk a little bit about, you know, having panic disorder, anxiety, and stuff like that. So tell me about, you know, how that is for you, if that relates to your recovery, or if you feel like it's just kind of another part of your life or how you cope with that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, so I was diagnosed with panic disorder two years ago now. So it's still a recent thing in my life that, um, I'm grateful to like have under control now. Um, I'm on medication, I have a psychiatrist and, um, but Anyway, yeah, I started struggling with panic attacks um, a little over two years ago. And when you um, ask, oh, is it related to recovery? Totally. Um, two years ago, I was, uh, I wouldn't, I don't know if it was a relapse, but I was struggling really intensely with my eating disorder, um, undernourishing myself, using behaviors pretty constantly. And I think that that had, well, I know that that had a direct correlation to my anxiety and my stress. Um, because when you're not nourishing yourself properly, your your brain isn't nourished properly. But um, anyway, aside from eating disorders and my recovery, um, I struggled with panic disorder for far longer than I knew what it was. Um, I had my first panic attack um, in an airport alone. <laughs> mm. um, it was awful. I thought that I was having a heart attack. Um, I thought I was dying. I called my mom and I said, I can't breathe. I was having like such intense um, heart palpitations. I couldn't catch my breath. And um, my mom didn't know what was going on. Um, and I, uh, somebody called an ambulance, somebody that worked at the um, airport. And I remember one of the EMTs asking me, do you have anxiety? Do you have a history of panic attacks? Because she could see as an outsider looking in that I was safe. It was just my mind that was convincing me that I was in danger. I was like, no, no, I'm having a heart attack. Like I'm, I don't, I don't have anxiety, like maybe a little bit, but I don't have, I, this isn't a panic attack. Like panic attacks are all in your head. Like, what are you talking about? And, um, I got all these tests run and my first panic attack started a whole slew of others within the upcoming months. And, um, I spent, you know, the next few months in and out of the ER because I was so convinced that it wasn't anxiety. I was like, this is a physical problem. Uh, there's something wrong with my heart, my brain, my like, um, because if you've ever had a panic attack, you know, it can feel like you're dying. Um, and fortunately, I hit rock bottom after getting all of these tests done, MRIs, you know, whatever they do with your heart and having mm -hmm. it come back and be like, nothing is wrong with you physically. Um, and uh, mind you, I was struggling with my eating disorder. So I'm sure there were a few things wrong with me physically. But anyway, I went to my psychiatrist and she, um, who I see through uh, BU, which is where I go to school. And uh, she asked me, I want to say like five questions um, about panic disorder and whether or not I have fear of having these sort of panic attacks. And within like 30 minutes, she was like, you have panic disorder. And all of these episodes have been panic attacks, not heart attacks, not um, something wrong with you physically. And getting that diagnosis changed my life because I was able to now, whenever I start to feel a panic attack coming on, I'm able to label it and know, okay, this is my anxiety. 
while I feel like I'm in danger right now, I'm not. I'm not dying. I'm not having a heart attack. Um, and yeah, so again, long and winding answer, but yeah, it's been a really like intense journey. I used to like, uh, judge people who said that they had panic attacks. I'm like, oh my gosh, like, you know, relax. Like it's all in your head. It wasn't until I was like in the hospital that I realized, okay, this is a real, this is a real thing. Um, yeah. Wow. Yeah. So I, thank you so much for sharing that. Um, that that's really powerful. Um, I've definitely had panic attacks and I, I was really close to going and seeing somebody I didn't go and see somebody um, because I'm just resistant to that kind of thing. <laughs> but I had, a, it was last, it was 2020, and I think it was in October, November, December. Um, I've had panic attacks before, but I had one in November during work, um, during a fit modeling job. For, for no, you know, I, I'm, I feel super safe with these clients. I'm, I'm okay, but I just, it just happened. I mean, I've never experienced anything like it. I, my heart was racing. I had to go to the, I had to run to the bathroom. I literally felt like I didn't know where I was. I mean, I did, but I was like, I'm, I'm not in this world right now. I mean, I literally felt like I was in another dimension mm-hmm. and it was super scary. It was so scary that I remember coming home. I called my mom too when I was like on break and I, I came home and I was just crying to Rio, my husband. And I'm, I'm just like, oh my gosh, th- this is literally the worst thing I've ever experienced in my life. And I remember saying, this is worse than my eating disorder. Cause it's, it was just so like intense, which I mean, you can't really measure that, but in the moment, that's what I thought. And that, that led me to a fear of having more, which was, I I knew that was it. It was like by association. Like every time I went to this job, I was like, I know I'm going to feel this way. Um, or it used to be, I know I'm going to feel this way until I started really focusing on self-care and really like calming myself down. Um, fortunately my mom has experience with anxiety. So she was really able to like help me sort of relax about it. And, and so I'm really grateful that my sort of anxiety episode only lasted, you know, a few weeks and I was able to really like get myself out of it. And now I feel like I'm able to cope with when it does happen really easily, but it's interesting. Yeah. Like I didn't, I've never identified with somebody who has anxiety. So when it happens to you, you're like, this isn't right. Like this isn't me. This isn't, this isn't for me. And like, so it's really been interesting to learn the pattern of anxiety and like, wait, this is anxiety. It's literally like a wave for me. And I know it's, I know it's pattern and I know what's going to happen. What are some ways that you find really helpful in coping when you do start feeling panic attacks? Oof. Um, so like I said, I'm on medication. I'm a big advocate for therapy and, um, medication. Yeah. If you feel it's necessary for you. So, um, I'd say that when I feel like a really severe panic attack coming on, I'll take my medication and that helps me. Um, but as far as self-care goes, I love what you said about that because that's, um, truly, I mean, I was having panic attacks daily for months. Mm -hmm. Um, now I have them maybe like once every two months. Um, and it's all thanks to the fact that I prioritize my stress relief and my recovery now. Um, I think a huge part of me managing my panic attacks comes to, comes down to how I'm nourishing my body. Um, if I'm restricting in any way, I'm more prone to stress 
anxiety, fear, sadness, which all build up to a panic attack. Um, and I think also making sure that I'm checking in with myself when I start to feel physical symptoms of anxiety. Um, I get bad migraines, um, stomach aches, um, sweating, heart you know, palpitations, stuff like that. Um, and so not pushing through those physical symptoms in hopes that they'll go away, but like checking in with myself um, and doing things to calm down. Because <laughs> that's what it comes down to is like calming myself down and realizing, okay, I'm not in danger. I have the power to handle this. Like I'm going to be okay. Um, and I guess some like concrete tips for that. Yoga has been an incredible development in my life over the past couple of months. Um, it just brings me a lot of joy and peace um, and allows me to prioritize my self-care. Um, and yeah, just maintaining my recovery too, making sure that I'm eating everything my body asks for and not restricting myself. Yeah. Love it. Love, love the tip about nourishing yourself because I think a lot of people who do have a history of disordered eating, eating disorders, or in recovery, it's like you don't think that that's you know, that's super obvious to, I think, people who don't have eating disorders, but when you do, you're like, this can't be it, you know? Mm -hmm. I function so long without these panic attacks. Why would it matter now that I have to nourish myself? But, like, it really does make a lot of sense. Okay, I need to give my brain and my body everything it needs to survive and to live in this world. And yeah. um, when you don't do that, when you fight that, those survival instincts, like, your, your body and your brain aren't going to be very happy with you and you're, you know... So yeah. I love that. Yeah. You don't do that for so long too. Like your eating disorder can convince you that you can restrict and that you're the exception and that um, eating more will make you less healthy and less, you know, um, well, when in reality, like our bodies want us to live for as long as possible. And if you're not, um, you know, feeding it what it asks for, it'll catch up to you. And that's what I realized, you know, a couple of years ago, I was like, whoa, like, this is like a wake up call for me, just like the direct impact that it's having on my panic, my anxiety, you know, and just like how I view the world too. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. Yeah. I, I, I agree with the idea that the sort of consequences of your eating disorder sometimes doesn't catch up to you until you're in recovery or even until you feel like you're nearly out of recovery. Cause for me, my gut health has been a huge struggle for me pretty much the past year and a half. Um, and I talk about it, you know, pretty openly and I've been on this journey of healing it. And, and now I'm in a place where I feel really good about it. I mean, I still have pretty off days, but I'm so much feeling so much healthier than I was before physically and mentally. But like, I remember feeling so bitter and so annoyed because I'm like, wait, these, is this a consequence of my eating disorder? My, you know, the people I'm working with are like, yes, it definitely is at least in some way. Mm -hmm. um, and I'm like, how, because I'm recovered, you know, how is this possible? But I think it was a huge wake up call for me just to be like, okay, I need to take care of this. Even though I'm mentally healed at least 90%, like I mm -hmm. still damaged my body for so long. And so it was a huge wake up call for me even more. I mean, I, I got tons of wake up calls during my recovery, tons, tons of them. But I was like, dang, this is the, I think this is maybe one of the last ones, hopefully. Um, so yeah, it's been, it's been yeah. interesting. I love 
too, uh, this reminds me, I wanted to tell you this, <laughs> um, mm-hmm. how like, honestly, you speak too about the struggles that you still face in your recovery, even as a, you know, uh, you're an advocate for recovery and you've been in recovery for a number of years, but it makes me feel like valid and comfortable knowing like, okay, it's okay if my recovery isn't perfect. Like nobody's recovery is perfect. Nobody's recovery is linear. It's not like I don't struggle at all anymore, you know, now that I consider myself like strongly in recovery. Um, and so, yeah, when I thought about having this conversation with you, I was like, I want to tell Kate that, that I really Thank appreciate you. talking about this stuff that mm-hmm. you still struggle with. Um, Cause that's really powerful. So thank, thank you. you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I you so much. I, I just am like everyone else, you know, in, in a way. And it's, it's so difficult you know, I also cope with the effects, uh, you know, the the hardship of recovery and all that comes with by sharing online. So it's really important for me. And honestly, with my whole gut health situation and, you know, my hormonal health and everything, like even that I was like, man, this is like embarrassing. And I don't want to talk about this. And like, I'm supposed to be a fashion. I mean, I am like a, a model in LA and I have agents and like, they don't want to see me talking about like my gut health, like what these clients, because now yeah. I, I walk into castings and they're like, what's your Instagram? And I'm like, Kate Noel underscore underscore. And like the first thing is like, mm-hmm. I can't poop. And so here, here's my tips on that. And I'm just like, oh my gosh. But I just have to keep reminding myself that, um, you know, my sort of honesty and vulnerability is going to attract the right clients. And like, it's going to end up ultimately putting me in a better spot with, you know, my, my agents aren't shaming me. Like my agents love me. They're like, you're doing amazing work. So I'm like, what, what am I doing? Like bashing myself? Like, I don't want these followers or these clients or these friends or these people in my life who are like, ew, I don't want to know like about that stuff. Cause I'm like, I don't want those people, you know, it kind of, I have to remind myself that even today, just yeah. like, doing, doing the honest work is really important to me. And I, that's a value I have in my life, just like it is in your life. I'm sure it really seems like it is. So it's hard though. You know, it's just, it's a hard thing. Yeah. If only honesty was the norm, unfortunately it's not. Um, So, but yeah, like, and everybody's got something like whether it be a mental health issue, a physical issue, like anybody who puts on a facade that they don't is lying, you know? So it's For like, sure. when you realize that it's like, right. It doesn't have to be as shameful as, you know, our minds make it out to be. <laughs> yes. Well, thanks. Thank you for thinking me. And, um, it's right back at you. Yeah. So I also wanted to talk about your skin positivity and skin journey. Cause you share about that. I don't know if that's newer or if you've always shared. Yeah, that. it's pretty new. Okay, yeah. Um, Tell me about that. Um, so I have struggled with acne since third grade. Um, and from a very young age, I have had the understanding that acne is bad and that you should try to cover it up. Um, or I mean, how could you not? Yeah. With everything. Exactly. I mean, yeah. Every, everything is cover yeah. it up. Don't walk yeah. in the drugstore. There's literally a aisle devoted to covering your face up so yeah cover it up or get rid of it so I was like okay this is bad like I just labeled that in my head um and uh it got worse through um like my 
before high school, like sixth through seventh grade, um, it got worse, but I was blissfully unaware um, of sort of how I, you know, uh, hesitate to use the word bad because I really don't believe that acne is bad. It's only like, you know, if we don't put these labels on it, then it's just so much less um, shameful. But anyway, it, it did progress um, and got worse through um, high school. I developed my eating disorder and my acne was kind of on the back burner of my mind. Um, and then once I got to um, college, it got worse and I got an Accutane for the first time. And my whole life since I developed acne, I was like, I am going to be happy and confident, just like with weight loss, once my acne goes away. Because I have the belief that acne is wrong and bad. I am also insecure. So once my acne gets better, I will be confident. It was just like the natural progression that so many of us buy into. And um, I went on Accutane, my skin cleared up for a little bit. But even at the clearest that my skin was, I was still insecure about my skin. Because while I didn't have acne anymore, I found other things to pick apart about my physical appearance, whether it be my scars or the oiliness of my skin, or even just like the structure of my face, like what I, what my face looks like. And that was a huge wake up call for me because Accutane is like the pinnacle of acne treatment. And I was like, oh my gosh, my skin is the clearest it's ever been. And because I haven't done the inner work to accept my physical appearance um, right now, like with or without acne, um, it doesn't matter that I don't have acne anymore. Um, and so my acne came back after that first round of Accutane as well. I'm on Accutane now as we speak, um, but simultaneously doing my best <laughs> to do the work to accept my physical appearance, acne and all, so that if and when my acne comes back down the line, um, which it may as well do, you know, um, I will not crumble and fall, <laughs> you know, with the knowledge that clear skin does not equal happiness and confidence. It just doesn't. It's a lie that, you know, we are fed from a young age, but yeah. And as far as just like with my body, um, I now share photos of my skin on social media and um, I'm still in sort of the exposure phase of that. It still causes me anxiety and fear and sadness sometimes when I look at my skin, but um, I'm working through it. But yeah, it's been a long journey. <laughs> Thank you so much for sharing and for all of your work and honesty because I don't struggle personally with acne but even seeing your posts I feel so empowered just I don't know I think it just gives me free it gives me a sense of freedom and joy and um I'm I'm sure I'm 100% sure that you have so many people who follow you who do struggle with acne I don't even want to say struggle I don't know what, what word to use but who do you know struggle with having <laughs> acne with, you know, in their personal lives, I'm sure they feel so just liberated and connected and just like a sigh of relief because they have somebody to look up to who is like, this is me and you can be you too. And I really love how honest you are about, okay, I'm, I am on Accutane, like I'm making this choice, but you're utilizing your recovery wisdom to guide you. And I just think that's super beautiful. So thank you so much for doing that work. And that's so awesome. That's cool to hear, 
that you resonate with it too, even, you know, you don't have acne. So I really appreciate that. Yeah. I mean, I have, I have scars too, and I have stuff, you know, I mean, I still, there's, there are parts of my body that I really struggle with. Um, you know, I, I do agree that when we're not at peace with our bodies, like as soon as we try and quote, fix one thing and we go to the next thing, like it scares me when I think of the little list in my head of all the things I would like to change, you know, like it scares me a lot. And I, I really have to work on being like, okay, this is, this is not no way to live. Um, like I love asking, I, I love asking Rio. Rio is like a great teacher of mine. I mean, he's my husband, but I love asking him like, is there anything you want to change about your body? Cause I know he will say like, not really. And I'm just like, Oh, that's wow. cool. You know? And I just like really appreciate having yeah. that, you know, mm-hmm. somebody like that in my life because I feel like I really need it. So I, I love that you're that person probably for so many people and you're just a gem in my feed. Like I just love, I, I you're definitely in my algorithm. I see all your stuff. So <laughs> I love it. Wow, what an honor. <laughs> yeah. I know. I, I have a lot of people muted. <laughs> Same. Same. Like, when you're too scared to do the unfollow that you just mute, I totally get it. I know. I'm like, this is kind of passive aggressive, but like Instagram allows it. So I'm going to do it because I can't deal with the unfollow guilt right now. <laughs> Same. The app that shows who's unfollowed you. I'm like, I don't want my face to pop up. Yeah. No. And then it's awkward when they like when they like send you a message or something and then you're like, Oh crap. It still says oh, follow back. I'm like, ah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. oh, Clean up your Instagram feed with a nice mute. That was something I mentioned in my uh, 2021 gems that I learned that I did in 2020. I was like, shoot, I got to start doing this. And then I started doing it like every day. <laughs> mm-hmm. It's because even subconsciously, like your feed and what you look at, especially if you spend a lot of your day on social media as part of like your job, um, or like, it's a huge part of my life too. It's not my job, but, um, yeah, it's important to like infiltrate your mind with positive messages that make you feel good about yourself because nobody's immune to the negative effects of social media. So whether or not you realize it, like, scrolling through photos of unattainable bodies and plates of food will have a negative impact, <laughs> you know? So, um, yeah, <laughs> that was, I don't know if that applied to what you no, just said. No, it did. It absolutely did. I, <laughs> I just talked to one of my friends. She's also an eating disorder recovery coach, Meg McCabe on my a podcast I did recently about mm-hmm. this. Like even for me as a person who feels really strong in their selves, I feel like I can advocate for myself even me, I'm like, I know this is very impressionable on me. Like I know that every time I scroll, so I've been trying to be on Instagram a little less. I'm a little bit, I'm a little bit like, eh, like I'm not sick of it, but I'm kind of like, okay, I need a little bit of a break and yeah, grounding in my life. So it's been really good. Yeah. I'm trying to get there, <laughs> but at least I don't have TikTok anymore. <laughs> I know I still have TikTok. So maybe you're beating me on the, the hours spent on my, on my phone. Cause you know, I only do like the for your page, which is maybe even worse. Like I don't even follow anyone. I don't know who I follow honestly, but like, it's just sometimes I just like, I'm like, I need a, I need a break from life. So I'm just going to go on TikTok and that was a big break. Yeah. <laughs> that was a two hour break. Awesome. Yeah, like, I didn't need that much you know, my, and I just like want to know what my face looks like while I'm scrolling. Like when I'm not laughing, I'm, I'm probably literally just like my drooling. Like I'm like, I just have no life in me. 
It's bad. <laughs> I noticed my attention span. I had TikTok for like two months minimized to like five minutes like I could not focus on anything for more than five minutes and I swear it was because I had TikTok like I just I couldn't I couldn't even watch YouTube videos or Netflix shows like because they bored me because they weren't 15 seconds long I was like I honestly that kind of resonates with me so maybe it's time for me to to take take the TikTok off my phone because I agree like with the ability to swipe and and just the streaming with the Netflix, with everything. It's so like YouTube videos, I literally within three seconds, I'm like bored, click next. And I'm like, I didn't even give that a chance really. But it's just like my, my mind literally is like a little baby. It's like a little baby who can't focus. It's, it's bad. Alarming, scary, but fixable, you know? Yeah. <laughs> Hopefully. Cool. <laughs> okay. Well, thank you so much. So, so much for this conversation. I feel really empowered and inspired and yeah I just I love you I just love everything that you do so where can people find you um, I have a website let's eat with care.com I blog about my recovery in like longer form posts there um and my Instagram is eat with care I love your blog it's beautiful Thanks. and you've done a really good job and your Instagram is beautiful oh, just Gorgeous. So I'll leave everything linked down below and everyone should absolutely follow you because it's a breath of fresh air. Thank you, Kate. Amazing. Bye guys. Oh, I love her. Isn't she the best? I just feel so good after talking to her. So thank you so much for listening and for tuning in. Give her a follow. Um, and yeah, please don't forget to leave a rating and a review for this podcast. If you like, take the cake and I will see you all on the next episode. Bye.